Segal. I'm John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. The Haudenosaunee National Women's Lacrosse Team is no more. After decades of gender bias and a deep-seated belief by the powers that be in Onondaga that women should be prohibited from even playing lacrosse, the men behind the Iroquois Nationals team, which is pretty much run by those in power in Onondaga, have successfully stripped the women of their Haudenosaunee sanction. On this program, we are going to pull back the curtain a bit and expose some of the ugliness and discrimination that exists in the power structure controlled by some of the most iconic and toxic native voices on Turtle Island, yet still claim to be the longest continuously running democracy in the history of the world. Joining me later in this episode are two of the players and the executive director of the now defunct women's team. But before I begin, I must explain a few things that are even confusing to Native people who are well-versed in much of the goings-on in Haudenosaunee communities. Anyone who believes the Haudenosaunee have lived thousands of years in an unbroken chain of steadfast adherence to the Guyana Lagoa, or the Great Law of Peace, are sadly mistaken. And I do mean sadly. A culture shaped specifically by avoiding a hierarchy of status and power particularly when it comes to governance, that is also steeped in the rhetoric of reverence for women and equality, has all fallen victim to the male-dominated culture that invaded our lands long ago with the Europeans. The use of the clan system and the roles of clan mothers, once the very foundation of Haudenosaunee governance, has become unrecognizably diminished. In fact, most refer to traditional governance as the chief system, We've seen billboards erected calling on all of us to honor the chiefs. And this is nothing new. Male dominance and the power of the chiefs was the norm for over two centuries after Europeans arrived on our shores and remains to this very day. There is no question that those who claim to be chiefs today wield power that is not derived from the people nor the clan system laid out in the Guyana Lagoa. Today there exist two grand councils, one that sits in Onondaga, and one that sits in Grand River, also known as Oswego or Six Nations, the latter being on the Canadian side of the imaginary line, which we are not even supposed to recognize. Chiefs from either side can deliberate at either Grand Council, but they more often exist as two separate councils, sometimes operating in unison and at other times playing against each other. The chiefs at Onondaga operate almost undistinguishably from the Grand Council. The Taladajo serves as both the premier chief of Onondaga and as the voice of the Confederacy. But to be clear, Onondaga is one nation, not six. The Grand Council at Grand River serves both as the traditional governing body of Grand River, or Oswego, and as a second Grand Council of the Haudenosaunee. But the key difference is that Grand River, or Oswego, is a six nations community, with clear and distinct voices from more than one nation. I know it's confusing, but try to keep up. Onondaga is the home of the Iroquois Nationals, and in almost legendary fashion, has for decades blurred the lines between titles like faith keepers and chiefs, chiefs councils and grand councils, along with their branded Iroquois men's lacrosse team and a team of players representing all of Haudenosaunee. The patriarchy of Onondaga has run unchecked for centuries, and gender bias has become the norm. Women and girls have been forbidden from playing lacrosse, 
with heavy doses of the creator's game and an unsubstantiated, almost spiritual belief that the creator himself opposed women's and girls lacrosse used as an excuse. It should also be noted that some of the most iconic native personalities in the world are based in Onondaga. Oswego was also heavily male dominant when it came to governance. Like in Onondaga, authority and responsibility was intentionally unclear. But unlike Onondaga, women there have reclaimed some of their power and voice. As lacrosse has become more popular outside of native territory, due in no small part to the efforts of Onondaga, as well as the Division I college powerhouse that nearby Syracuse University has become, one of the unintended consequences was the growth of women's lacrosse. As Haudenosaunee women grew in the sport, the absence of a Haudenosaunee national women's team akin to the Iroquois Nationals, became glaringly obvious. But for the women to play in international competition as Team Haudenosaunee, they would need to be sanctioned by the Haudenosaunee government, or at least one of them. As the women began to organize, tensions grew almost immediately with the Iroquois Nationals and Onondaga. The women knew getting sanctioned out of Grand Council in Onondaga would never happen, so they took the request to Grand Council at Grand River. It was there over a decade ago, that Haudenosaunee National Women's Lacrosse became a reality. But the HNWL was on their own. Unlike the Iroquois Nationals, which was well-funded, well-known, and well-supported politically by Onondaga, the women had none of this. And to be clear, it was a little worse than that, because they had to overcome the strong anti-woman bias in lacrosse that remained within the male-dominated power structure in Onondaga. But gradually, the women built themselves up as they learned the ropes of both the politics and the organizational challenges of international sports competition. And as better players emerged, they even cracked the top 10 in international play. But as it turned out, the governing bodies of international play were demanding gender equality even as places like Onondaga were not. They, along with big sponsors like Nike Lacrosse, began to insist that the Iroquois Nationals and the Haudenosaunee National Women's Team merged to form both a men's and women's team under the same national banner. The Iroquois Nationals refused to consider playing as the Haudenosaunee National Men's Team or enter this merger as equals with women. The men wanted the women to dissolve their board of directors and to run under the governance of the Iroquois Nationals and essentially Onondaga, where millions of dollars had been invested in training facilities. Their merger negotiations did not go well, but they were ongoing. That is, until an Iroquois Nationals delegation traveled to Grand River and very quietly requested that the Grand Council in Grand River revoke the sanction of the Haudenosaunee National Women's Team and pave the way for the Iroquois Nationals to take over Haudenosaunee Women's Lacrosse. I say quietly because no wampums were sent out to the member nations of the Haudenosaunee as is custom. The proper protocol for a Grand Council involves sending a wampum to each Haudenosaunee community. That wampum would carry the issue that would be deliberated upon so the clans in each community could reach a consensus before any decision would be reached at Grand Council. As a result, the women's team was not asked to come before the council and therefore was not represented. And none of the nations outside of the representation at Oswego were informed or notified. A closed-door decision was made on the spot, and the Haudenosaunee National Women's Lacrosse was dissolved. 
On June 21st of 2021, a group of now former players of the Haudenosaunee National Women's Lacrosse sent a letter to the Iroquois Nationals expressing their concerns and opposition to the way the dissolution of their team played out and cited a page of actions and specific examples of the gender bias, discrimination, and unethical behavior demonstrated in this process. The letter suggests no effort to overturn what has transpired, but rather makes a list of actions that these athletes call upon the Iroquois Nationals to follow to demonstrate fairness going forward and to allow the women of this team that competed for over 15 years to have the dignity and respect they deserve restored. Katie Smith from Oswego and Aaron Francis from Akwesasne join me for this episode, along with Kathy Smith, also from Oswego. Katie and Aaron are two players from the now disbanded team, and Kathy served as the executive director of the Haudenosaunee National Women's Lacrosse Team. Katie, Aaron, and Kathy, welcome to Let's Talk Native. My name is Katie Smith. I'm from Six Nations. Uh, I've been a player with the Haudenosaunee National Women's Team since 2009. Um, so yeah, I was a part of the program for a long time and I was planning on continuing and trying to play for the next 2022 World Championships. But um, yeah, so with that letter, what it, I mean, we kind of did our best to try to summarize a lot of what has happened over the past year. And I know from reading the letter that it's not totally clear exactly what happened, but basically our two boards, so the HNWL and Iroquois Nationals were supposed to merge, become unified. And this was a requirement for World Lacrosse and in preparation to try to get into the Olympics and World Across made that, you know, very clear to both boards that they needed to merge. And as well as for the Nike sponsorship for Iroquois Nationals, they were also required to have um, a women's division to continue with their sponsorship. So basically, you know, uh, the boards did were meeting at first, trying to, I guess, work together and things went a little bit sour with that and it, what it came down to really and was they weren't necessarily seeing things eye to eye of what a merge was um, from our board's perspective. It was really like trying to work together and becoming one, like two boards come together as one where no, no other board was above another. Whereas with the Iroquois Nationals perspective became very clear after a while that they didn't like the women necessarily having any kind of say in what was going on. And when the women, our women board requested that they be involved in, you know, important decisions, it was like total, like no way, basically. So things kind of went sour and a few players from both the men's and the women's program kind of created this players committee. And that was based on Many of us who have been a part of the, both programs for a long time, leaders in our respective um, programs, and we wanted to see the merge happen under good terms. Like we, we want them to come together for the best of the players, right? Like we um, were very, really advocating for equality, equity across across the board, 
And we had many meetings, like kind of almost like mediation between the two boards. Like um, we meet with INL and then we meet with HNWL and kind of back and forth for seemed like a couple of months. And But, you know, the players, we never really wavered on what we expected, the equality and whatnot. And uh, it just kind of went again, never really, I personally never really felt like your Quan Nationals gave care about what we wanted. It was about what they ultimately already had planned and intended to do and kind of went over our heads um, with regards to having our pro, the Haudenosaunee Nation Women's Program dissolve um, because they took it to council. And um, well, Nessa, well, the, I guess, Council is the one that dissolved our board. However, we really wanted to hold IN accountable because it was because of them that it even went to council and we didn't think that was necessary. We thought it could have been handled in a much more, uh, like a better way. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess for the players, like as a player, we kind of saw it, like we were working towards making things right and making things better and just felt like that all went out the window once they went over our heads and went to council. And then with that whole situation, it just wasn't a fair process by any means. Iroquois Nationals didn't do their due diligence. And I, I feel like the council didn't either. So um, part of that letter was just to, to show that to Iroquois Nationals that, you know what, we aren't, we aren't happy with what happened and we don't feel like um, we are because they, you know, on, on their social media, they keep hashtagging together as one. And for a group of us, we were like, it doesn't feel like we're together as one at all. Like it, it was just a very, we had a different perspective than a lot of other players because we knew a lot more of what was happening and what had happened. And it just didn't feel right for many of us. There's actually a few of our players that have decided not to continue on trying out for the next world team because it's just been very heartbreaking and disempowering for the women to continue under a program, an organization that runs very, um, <laughs> with no integrity, no real, I mean, from my perspective, I wanna say corrupt, but I don't know if that's the right word or not, but. Let me ask this. Um, so these these issues were not among the male and female players this was really just about the management and predominantly the uh the organization uh behind the Iroquois Nationals that's what was driving most of this tension correct for yeah for the most part now when you say they yeah. took this to council um this is pretty much you know let, let's face it Onondaga has controlled the Iroquois Nationals for since the beginning. I mean, that's, it's kind of been their baby, so to speak, um, through all of the, the worst of times as well, back when the Iroquois Nationals had a terrible reputation of tearing up hotel rooms and all that other stuff that, you know, that it's kind of legendary, but, um, mm -hmm. did they, I mean, I'm a little confused. So did they address this in Onondaga in, in any way? Was there, were, were there any, uh, I mean, what, did they take a position out there or did they, did the Iroquois nationals just kind of show up represented in front of uh council in, in grand river? Where was, where was Onondaga from New York? I hate to use that expression, but where was Onondaga from, from the homelands essentially in, in all of this? 
Um, as far as we know, they um, they had very little to do with it. Um, uh, we are aware of at least one chief that's kind of in in you know good in with the whole Iroquois Nationals um, organization, and he had a lot to do with um, what was happening. But ultimately, what it came down to is that Iroquois Nationals are sanctioned by Grand Council in Onondaga, but they. Um, I guess over time, I think it's very well known that Onondaga a Council didn't support women playing lacrosse. So we had to get our sanctioning from Grand River. So that's why they went to Grand River Council, because they ultimately had control over our sanctioning. It is, it is commonly known and well known that you know, the, the boys club at Onondaga literally opposes uh, women, girls from playing lacrosse. I mean, they've been very vocal and very outspoken about that. Um, and the tensions that exist between um, the Iroquois Nationals and the Haudenosaunee women's team, you know, it's, that's been present for, for quite some time, uh, as a res- basically because of this, this predisposition that, that is held by the powers that be in Onondaga uh, against women playing lacrosse. Yeah, it's again, like you said, it's been well known for a while. And I think uh, Kathy might have a little more to say about that because she's had to, you know, somewhat deal with them over the years. And um, it wasn't, it really, honestly, it it really feels like they didn't care about us. And I I still don't really feel like they truly care about us women players. They needed us. They need us for World Across and the Olympics and for the Nike sponsorship. So that's why all of a sudden in the past year, it's been like this really big push to get their own program and really by any means necessary. Well, and to and for them to assert that they have a women's team, they have to eliminate you guys. And that's what it came down to for for them to <laughs> to to meet those obligations for for World Across and for this uh this Nike thing you're talking about, they had to, they obviously could not just be a one gender sport. And so they needed a women's team, but they weren't about to, I guess, agree to equality as, uh, as you guys were demanding, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I give them credit for trying at least in the beginning to work together. Um, but just the way that they have treated some of the women on not only our board, but just the overall of the whole fact that they feel like they need to have the entire control that it seems very threatening for them to have. I will say that the women of our, our board are strong women. They're going to, they're, they speak up for what they think is right. And they, you know, they aren't going to be quieted in the sense of not saying anything if they think something's not right. And so I, I really believe they felt threatened by some of the women on our board because they did speak up and they did advocate for us women. And that to be met with such hostility was, is, was very alarming and telling, to be honest. We didn't even know which chiefs were involved or how many total. And as far as we know, not very many, if any, clan mothers were involved in that whole thing. And they didn't give, they didn't even really hear out <laughs> our side. Like, cause I mean, there's a bit of a, 
a reason why they took us to council. And that was because I know it was mentioned in our letter about this petition against one of our board members and, and other complaints that arose after, after that. And they didn't even allow our board to address the complaints and say like, okay, this is what, cause to be honest, as a player hearing other players complain, it was really almost shocking to hear some of the complaints and, um, and, and just the fact that there was a lot of that was out of perspective or misinformation. So even as a player, I felt like, wow, like these complaints obviously need to be addressed, but there needs to be a space for them to address them. You can't just take every single complaint as 100% true. Not every player's voice was being accounted for. Um, Iroquois Nationals were only really hearing and listening to one side, which kind of suited their agenda of, you know, taking control of the women's program. And, um, but what our board wanted to do with these issues is they wanted to give all players a chance to have a voice, have a say and come to, you know, come together and work on it. Um, not only address some of the complaints and whatnot, but like really like about a healing process and coming together and being stronger and better after it. But our board was not given that ability to do any of that. And now there is kind of this division between us women players because we have two opposing like perspectives. And I think we really needed that process to work through and hear everybody's perspective and acknowledge validate, but move forward in, in a good way. And I think Iroquois Nationals really did a disservice by moving so quickly and just ignoring what us players had, other players had to say about it. Um, so yeah, that was a part of the other issue is like, there needed to be due process for not just Iroquois Nationals, but also yes, council. Well, I mean, it seems to me that if, if, if a number of players began a petition to to ask for the removal of the you know, the um, acting general manager, um, that's that's still just a petition. That's just the beginning of a movement um, for that petition to have been the reason for for representatives of the Iroquois Nationals to 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 call for the removal of your sanction. That just seems like those th things don't even seem connected. No, no, it really isn't. Like, and we've had talks with the. Uh, a clan mother and she, you know, she kind of validated to us that, you know, they, your clan nationals really had no right in stepping in. This was like women's business. And they, you know, I think if they were really willing to work with our board and they really wanted to work together that they would have taken this to our board and said, you know, how can we work together? How can we deal with this? Or here you got, you know, you guys need to deal with this instead of just taking their side and saying, okay, yeah, we're getting rid of them, <laughs> which is what pretty much happened. So, so at this point, the way things stand, the Iroquois nationals has uh, gone to grand council, had your sanction from the grand council at grand river uh, pulled for your existing organization, the Haudenosaunee national women's lacrosse uh, organization and they are in the process of trying to start their own uh, we, women's team. Is that is that where they're at now? And and are they trying to get sanction from the uh, uh, Grand Council at uh, at Grand River for a women's team? Uh, well, yeah, they are working towards getting their own 
are they've already know they've already had a tryout last weekend for the women's program. Um, but right now, as 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 far as we know, is there is no sanctioning yet. They have told some of us that they have verbal agreement or verbal that um, acknowledgement that we will be sanctioned. But you know, I've heard from people who are connected to the Confederacy and say that that's not true. That there's been no talk about it, and there's a lot of people who are still opposed to it. So, I mean, that's still, for me anyways, is up in the air. Like, I don't know what they know. And I know, again, like I said, they do have a chief that's in close, tight-knit with them. So I don't know if that's coming from just one single chief or if there's, you know, what's been happening. Because as far as I've been told that Grand Council hasn't, in Onondaga hasn't met for like a really long time since before the pandemic started. So where this were verbal acknowledgement or agreement has come from is I, I have no idea and whether it will happen we don't know. Hi my name is Erin Francis I'm from the Mohawk Nation of Akwesasne and um, the meeting Katie was just referring to I was I happened to sit in on that meeting and it was with um, our clan mother here in Akwesasne along with um, a few other players who are aware of the situation in Akwesasne as well and a male who is associated with Iroquois Nationals and he, we, because we wanted some questions, you know, you know, we had, we had a lot of questions. We were, we were hoping for some answers, some clarification, some transparency. Um, and he stated that around the sanctioning issue, he stated that um, Iroquois Nationals has been given verbal, um, verbal confirmation to be, to begin a women's team. But like Katie was saying, you know, we don't really know how that works. Um, so it's kind of like up in the air. There's nothing written in stone, so to speak, or in paper that we know of or that they don't know of. And w when we start asking more questions, then it, it just kind of seemed um, like they didn't want to take ownership over anything. And it was almost, in my opinion, almost felt like they were trying to pass the buck, so to speak. And the questions we just were asking, you know, we we just want to, we just want to be heard. We want to be met, you know, who can we speak with? And it was just, <laughs> some of the questions it just seemed like we were getting the runaround and with you know Iroquois Nationals promoting the hashtag together as one it just and we're sitting in on this meeting it just feels like there isn't a together as one when questions we're asking aren't being answered or just being disregarded so you know how are we supposed to build the foundation of trust when we can't even communicate to each other when we're in the same room you know do you know what I mean so it for me um personally it's been it's been rough learning how our uh, HNWL board has been and our organization has been dissolved and now with this whole new Iroquois Nationals beginning their own women's team there's a lot of mistrust placed within them and how they went about this approach and with the release of this statement, this collective statement, we still haven't heard anything back from them and we're still, you know, we're still waiting. So, you know, if they're promoting, you know, equity and inclusion over social media, how come you're not responding to us? You know, we, we have questions and you aren't responding to our questions. This is Kathy, Kathy Smith. I'm uh, uh, 
Mohawk Turban from Six Nations Grand River Territory. And um, I was uh, the executive director of the Nationals Women's Cross program. Um, been involved for about the last 15 years. And um, so I've been through a lot and seen a lot. And anyway, um, as to my knowledge, like our board members, there's only five of us, but we feel so betrayed by this whole situation, so disregarded and disempowered that I don't believe that any of us want anything to do with that new program because we don't trust the people who are involved on the men's side that we could ever work with them now with them having done what they've done. You know, there was complete lack of communication, transparency, honesty. Um, I, I personally, you know, I want the best. I want the best possible program for both the women and that, but I, yet at this time with the things being the way they are, I personally can't even imagine with, with, uh, with, with the program anymore. And so far as I understand that the other women on the board um, pretty much the same way, maybe not quite as strongly in some respects, but for sure, no one's wanting to go join with them. And once again, Aaron Francis, who played for the Haudenosaunee National Women's Lacrosse Team. This, the issue that we're bringing forth right now just isn't solely about lacrosse. It's so much bigger than lacrosse itself. And what, what we're doing, some individuals within our own um, Native communities may think it's completely wrong what we're trying to do, or we're just trying, you know, we're quote unquote just whining. But what we're doing is we're, we're rising. We're trying to garner support and fight for our voice as Haudenosaunee women, right? And it's, we're not just focusing on lacrosse. It, it extends way more than across this issue that's going on. And that's what we're trying to have out, the outside world, both native and non-native, see that. We're fighting for something a lot bigger. And, you know, that is equality for women, Indigenous women across the board, you know, within our own native communities and, and the rest of the world itself. And what we're doing, especially with um, the topic surrounding lacrosse, how women aren't supposed to play in general, we're going, we're going, we're upsetting the balance that's, you know, <laughs> that we've abided by for centuries, right? Our, our, our culture saying women can't play. And so what we're doing, we're, we're essentially rewriting history. We're trying to rewrite history. Well, I don't and even, we're I don't trying even to know if that's, if that's something that has been established for centuries as much as it has in the last 50 years. I mean, uh, I know that these guys want to suggest that somehow there's almost some spiritual prohibition against women playing lacrosse, but but I don't know that anybody's ever been able to uh, substantiate any of that. But we know that there's been a male-dominant culture that has been pervasive, not, as you said, not just with lacrosse, but with, with how Grand Council, how how nation councils have operated, um, with the, you know, by by leaving out the important factors or the parts of the protocol that involve the clans and clan mothers and, and, and all of that stuff. There's been a real shift towards, uh, towards the male dominance that, that, and that goes back a couple of centuries. So I think that that does represent, you know, a bigger problem. So I, I appreciate what you, what you were trying to do, even if it does seem like it's about lacrosse. I, I understand exactly what you're saying. The other thing is that we oftentimes find ourselves in, in a situation where out of some sort of 
blind loyalty to our culture, we are hesitant to stand up to uh, and and raise you know um, any attention to uh, to some of the the conflicts that exist and and some of the hypocrisy and some of the the as you said corruption earlier. We 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 have a tendency to, to shy away from that because we don't want to air our dirty laundry out for for the whole world to see, but but at some point we all get to this place where we have to confront some of these inequities, some of these inconsistencies, and some of this corruption. Yeah, for sure. I and to go off what like Aaron was just saying is like really this it, this is kind of like an act of decolonization because. Yeah, we're not just focusing on lacrosse and having a women's team or anything. I mean, that that is an important factor. But part of the reason why many of us players don't even want to continue is because we have kind of lost that pride of what we're representing. Um, I, I know me personally, I have so much pride and joy representing our Haudenosaunee women and our culture, our people on the international stage. Like, I honestly cannot even explain in words, what it feels like to be, uh, you know, representing our people and playing our anthem. And, you know, it is just such a surreal feeling. And that it was just felt like it was just torn away for me and, and many others, because we think about what the Iroquois nationals represent and it doesn't feel like they represent who we are as a people or who we're supposed to be as a people at all. Like, and, and that's, you know, that's part of the hypocrisy that, you know, they tout to the world, like, Oh, bring up our history and our treaties and all this stuff. But then they, you know, they themselves aren't living by many of our core values of having a good mind and honesty and trust and compassion, empathy, any of that stuff is just totally devoid. It seems. And, uh, yeah, that just that was like another driving factor for us because like this isn't right that they are doing this. Like we want to represent our people authentically, um, and, and you know that's why I take a lot of pride in our Haudenosaunee program, women's program, is because it, they did try to bring in more holistic, um, per, like not it wasn't just the physical of playing lacrosse, like we really, we had, you know, spiritual practices that we did and mental, everything, you know, it was very holistic. And so many of our players have really appreciated that. It has helped them in so many ways. And I'm, I guess I can't be a hundred percent sure, but I don't know if that's ever happened in Iroquois Nationals program. And it's, it's really, really sad that that's what we're, basically what we're fighting for is to represent our people as who we are and who we want to represent to the world. Like um, it's, and it's just that it feels like when you talk about male dom domination, like, and that, that's like part of colonization, that's the hierarchy and the patriarchy. And that has seems to dominate our societies these days. And, and that's so, so sad to to see that it has come to that because we are a matrilineal society and it just feels like so much of that has been lost and this is a way for us to not only use our voice and stand up and feel empowered and in, in what we have to say but really hoping that we can bring about change and we can bring awareness that you know what this the way things are being run isn't right and um it was very really disheartening um 
when our board was taken to council, our board proposed a, um, a solution, which was to dissolve both boards and build from scratch using our Haudenosaunee principles as like a framework. Um, kind of, you know, making sure that there was that equality and the voices, um, kind of like how our chiefs and clan mothers are supposed to run, right? Like the no one's above one another, but they're supposed to, you know, keep each other on, or the clan mothers keep the men on track. And, you know, that's kind of how we wanted, you know, seen it working. And the fact that that would just be disregarded and just, <laughs> nope, just let Iroquois nationals continue doing what they're doing. And instead of being more authentic to who we are, it was very, like I said, yeah, disheartening. Well, even uh, even the name issue uh, for for many of us, and and I've heard this conversation in many territories. Why is it called the Iroquois Nationals? I mean, the fact that you that you were representing yourselves as Team Haudenosaunee was something that that many of us were much more in agreement on. But the word Iroquois is not it's not even our word, and even the idea of calling somebody the Nationals, it. You know, it, it, neither one of those words are ours, you know, so it, it seemed to me that if if you were going to create uh, a, a male and female um, uh, team unified, it would have made more sense for it to be under the banner of the uh, of the the Haudenosaunee national team, not the Iroquois nationals. And so even even the name is is a, 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 li a little bit bothersome. I realize that that name is something that Oren Lyons and some of those other folks have you know worked on branding it for you know for for decades and 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 that's what they're operating on. But that's not again when you want to talk about authenticity and you want to talk about really representing who we are. Um, Haudenosaunee makes a lot more sense. Uh, so even even the, even the name seems. A bit of a like a bit of a stretch to me. I want to comment on that. Um, this is Kathy again. That was one of my first indications of things to come because in the fall of um, 2019, we had a meeting conference call, and we were there was some of us from our board on the call with the Iroquois Nationals, and we asked about the name and we expressed our concerns about being called a derogatory name that was given to us by the French is my understanding and and about wanting to be called something that was more in a line we are and also being one of our own words right and um we had a I thought we had a fairly good discussion about it and I there was certainly resistance the idea of the branding we can't change it because of this and that and the other reason and we're going to, you know, if we go by Haudenosaunee, then we're, we're jeopardizing Grand Council and things like that, which I never quite understood or followed. Um, so anyway, that was in the fall of 2019, and we had that discussion. And so in the spring of 2020, I get an email from uh, the Iroquois Nationals, and I had asked for more information about what they were proposing because they had... Um, said they were working on this business plan and they were, you know, going to, you know, we were, as we were working toward unification, we were going to have, you know, some things, you know, changed and, but for sure it was going to be, you know, there would be this uh, youth development program and it was going to be for both men and women and everything was going to be the same for both programs, which all sounded great. But when we got that email in spring of 2020, it said in there, 
uh, and the women will be under will be under the Iroquois National's name. And then they also said they were going to get us coaches, and we already had coaches in place. So anyway, I sent an email back, and I basically said I'm surprised that you're in this uh, or saying that we're under the Iroquois National's name when we had a discussion about that, and I thought we had that was like on the unfinished um, business. Uh, we hadn't made a decision about that. And then we're being told that you're going to be called Iroquois Nationals. And so that's where I, that's when it became clear to us that this was not a merger. This was not a merger happening. This was, uh, you're going to do, we'll, we'll give you some, we're going to tell you what we're doing. And then we'll let you say if you want to do it or what you like about it. But basically, we're calling the shots. And so when I sent an email back to them, I told them we're going to, you know, moving forward, we're going to be included um, at the table with, you know, any decisions regarding the women's program, you know, with, with respect and, you know, um, everything, inclusion, our voices being heard and those kinds of things. And um, they didn't like it at all. That's when, that's when things turned sour. And then after that, I suggested mediation, our board suggested, I should say, through me, I, I was the one uh, conveyed that message. And they said, no, we don't need it. Um, Anyway, the name, you know, to me, to me is, is still unfinished business and whether I'm involved or not, and obviously I'm not right now, and, but I've been hearing a lot of people questioning that and yet they want to continue to do things their way with no willingness to listen to anybody else. So what is it your sense for what was the argument? What was the... the yeah, the overarching violation that you're accused of that would have caused the uh, Grand Council at Grand River to to dissolve your existing you know organization. Honest, honestly, we don't even know for sure. There's three things. One being the petition that we didn't remove the board member that was the players asked us to remove. So that was one thing. The second one is that there was all these accusations made against us, which we were never ever given the opportunity to substantiate. So they still remain unsubstantiated. And like Katie mentioned earlier, that some of those, those accusations um, don't even make sense. Or it was during those years when I was talking about where we're like, yeah, we didn't have a, a real proper trial process in 2017 because we didn't even know whether we were going to get to go until the possibility was talked about in the early February and they wanted names. They want a list of names by the end of February. So we had like 30 days or so to throw those together. So of course we didn't have a proper trial process. So none of those things were addressed. And then the third thing was, was it because the Iroquois National didn't us? We don't really know. And so I tried to question the Confederacy after we received the letter saying we that they pulled their their support and they were dissolving us. So I had talked to one of the chiefs and I had asked him some questions and he couldn't answer them. So he says, well, if you give me the questions, I said, I'll take them to, we have a meeting tomorrow. I'll take them to the meeting and see if they'll answer them. So I sent the questions and he contacted me. He said, they they didn't want to, they don't want to hear the questions. He said they made a decision last week and they're good with their decision. Wow. So that was, you know, that was kind of like far as I got trying to quite even find out. So we don't even to this day, don't know for sure why we were dissolved. Absolutely no accountability. It doesn't seem like that to me. 
So what do you, what do any of you see? Uh, you know, look, I understand that part of the driving force between uh, merging the men's and women's team has to do with some of this international competition um, and whatever this, this Nike uh, program was. Um, but where does that leave you? I mean, are, are, does it essentially uh, end your organization uh, to where you have n nothing to build upon? Uh, is it just about being sidelined permanently and, and letting the Iroquois Nationals create a subservient women's team that will be under their banner, under their control, and under their governance? Well, as far as I understand it, um, I don't think this is done. Um, there's still questions, you know, we're, we're still asking questions, but I, I, I can't say that you know, we can really do much um, because I, the big thing is that the fact that the Iroquois Nationals took this to the Confederacy. See, when we, when we joined the, originally in 2006, when the women became a part of this um, world competition, they joined the IFLA, which was the women's organization at the time. And so the women and men were not merged as an international organization at that time. And so when we were sanctioned by, you know, Grand River, um, we were, I don't know, like um, kind of just doing our own thing. So we had that autonomy and independence for the last 15 years, right? So um, then now to go, it's almost like we're being this is like a real step backwards if you ask me to be now under the men's program. Um, so where we, I don't know what, what's going to happen, happen from here, because I feel like it comes to, like world across kind of, they, um, they had told us specifically that it was always expected that we were merged. It was expected that there would be a takeover by one over the other. And so they don't agree with what happened but because they involved the Confederacy, who is our sanction, like, so see when back in 2006, we had to get sanctioned to be able to participate in this world level. Um, and so when they took away our sanctioning, um, World Cross is kind of in a position where they don't, they're not supposed to in interfere with our internal business, right? right? They know what's wrong. They don't agree with what happened um, to a certain extent, um, yet they don't really, I don't think they really know what to do about it and they are and they know they haven't even had a chance to meet about it as, as far as i know like in very many times or whatever so they're still meeting and whatever um but i really think they're kind of in a, a position where they don't know what to do about it or if they can do anything about it and so i don't know moving forward right now they are recognizing that because they got the letter from the from the Six Nations um, Confederacy Council, they are moving forward to with allowing the Iroquois Nationals to go ahead and and run this program. Has anybody considered uh, taking this up at the uh, individual nations level? I mean, it's it, look, Grand Council is supposed to be this convergence of all the nations um, councils, you know, to form a Grand Council. That's what it's supposed to be. But it seems like they're they are operating autonomously without input from Akwasasne or from uh, from Gunawage or from uh, from Tonawanda or from Tuscarora. So, I mean, it, it it seems to me that if if some of your team, your your, uh, your players and and your staff that 
that may have a, a nation council that they can go to. It, it, it just seemed, it seems like the whole process was violated. This went to grand council without ever, ever really having any of the native communities involved in the process. That's true. And to my knowledge, like I personally, I don't have even never even thought about going at, going at it that way. I know I just reached out to, um, I reached out to a few people and just talked to them, asked for them for advice and guidance. And um, like no one ever suggested that. So I never really thought about that. Um, I don't know. I think it's, I think it comes down to, we only have so much energy too to try to, to do this. And um, I, the players have kind of taken it. And as a board, we've, we've kind of been like, not really sure what we can do. Um, I feel like, you know, when we try to, like I, like I said, I tried to uh, talk to the Confederacy and try to get some answers, and that was kind of just shut shut right down. So I don't know. I don't, we, I don't know as a board what, if there's anything we can do. And um, the players, I know for sure there's a lot more. There's more players, and there's, you know, like they would have all have connections in their own, their own uh, nation and their own communities. So that might be a way that we could go. Yeah, and I really, I look. I can really appreciate the, the limited amount of energy that anybody has to fight our own people, and and how discouraging that is. But you know, I I see women's lacrosse, especially across you know our various native territories. I live on the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation, and I see some of these great you know women athletes, um, really accomplishing great things in in the sport of lacrosse. It seems like you are really you guys are are, are up and comers. Uh, it, it it almost it, it seems to me that the women's lacrosse still has um, uh, the ability to reach a peak. I will say, and I and this isn't meant to be in any way um, derogatory towards the men, but basically the, the men are really at a place where you know where Team Canada and Team United States are always going to be the dominant teams and because of the popularity of lacrosse as it's gone into division one, you know, NCAA turn, uh, lacrosse and that kind of thing. But, and, but it, it still seems like, like these native, our native territories, our, our Haudenosaunee women have an opportunity to, to reach a peak that they haven't yet reached. And it's, and that should be looked at by players, even the young players who, who maybe aren't, aren't at, you know, had, perhaps they don't have the opportunity to play for the Haudenosaunee national women's team yet, but maybe that is, that is a direction that some of these young players have to go is to petition their own nation councils. Um, and, you know, try to build some of this, look, there's no reason why some of these, you know, the Mohawk nation or, or you know, some of these, you know, the Tuscaroras or Tonawandas couldn't take a, take a position as nation councils to endorse the Haudenosaunee uh, women's lacrosse, even, and, and that would actually put this Grand Council at Grand River and at Onondaga on notice that, uh, you know, how do they take a, take a position as, as a body when the member nations, the six nations aren't necessarily agreeing with them? Yeah, I don't know. I'll just um, kind of add my thoughts about continue moving forward. Um, and so I guess for, I, I recognize that we need to be under one umbrella, you know, to continue playing internationally. And 
when we bring up this stuff and we send this letter to Iroquois Nationalists, we're not like looking to bring back our Haudenosaunee Nation Women's Lacrosse program. Like that's not our goal at all, but we we just want it to be fair. Like we we think it should emerge properly and we still want all those things that we were originally fighting for. So, cause I, me as a player, I personally do not trust or have any faith in the Iroquois Nationals organization. And if you had asked me two, three, even way beyond this past year, who I would prefer to have be playing, what organization to be playing under, hands down, Haudenosaunee Nation, because I was well aware of Iroquois Nationals lack of organization and all the other crap that goes on. So I, as a player, I definitely wouldn't want them have wanted them to just completely taken over. And I wanted that. And that's part of the reason I was fighting is to make sure that it was a proper merge that we are gonna have women in there who speak up and advocate for us as players. Because you know what, the men players, and I know that uh, um, Kathy didn't mention that, but like they really used that. We've been here, we've been doing this for 30 years. You guys are just newcomers. So basically we're better than you guys. So. I, I find great offense in that and that because because their men do do well you're right they have done well in the last few world championships and they have a lot of talent and but the fact that they take credit for the development of the players is kind of laughable because the development of our men players comes from the fact that they grow up playing since they're like two they play junior A, they play at college, they play at NLL, MLL. That's their development. Iroquois Nationals basically just gathers the best players and then puts them out there, right? Like they, you know, they never really had an extensive tryout process. And so they have that advantage for sure. And our women, like you said, they are up and comers. Like we, you know, we, from since 2009, since I've been a part of this program, it's been tough because We've had very limited numbers. Not only are our numbers low, but at least when we started, but also the commitment factor was huge. We, you know, there was a lot of talented players that wouldn't commit, couldn't commit. Um, and there's just so many more, so much more different factors our women's face compared to the men's. And we do need more development. Like we can't just wait until a month or two before world championships and have a try out and pick our team like we need to continue playing throughout at least a year in advance like our Haudenosaunee program except for the two anomalies with 2017 and 2015 we really tried at least a year in advance sometimes up to a year and a half or more to start our development and start our training and start our practicing because we need that are we don't have as many women playing in college or we don't have you know or high school i mean let's be clear i mean there are many schools yeah. that have high school boys programs but they do they do not have high school women's programs or girls programs yeah for sure especially in canada i mean yeah the men are in the states i know there's a lot more high school programs but in the canada here it's like practically non-existent and the program that they have is not that great so I mean our women are at a huge disadvantage when it comes to the talent pool and the number of players that we have to choose from so yes we definitely is there's going to be a peak 
And, you know, I, as being one of the veteran players and approaching the end of my career, I was so excited back in 2019 at the Pala Championships because we had a good mix of some veterans and young players, and it looked so promising. And so I'm heartbroken that we lost a few of our uh, veteran, talented, experienced players because now I know that even if I continue to play, we're not going to have the absolute best team because we've lost a few talented players so that's part of that that's really heartbreaking for me but um it it's just yeah I, I moving forward I just want there to be more accountability transparency and making sure that they're doing the right things and really thinking about us women not just kind of going about how they've always done things and that's really what we're fighting for. We're not fighting to bring back our other program. We're still trying to be unified, but in a good way, because ultimately, no matter what side you're, or angle you're looking at it from, all players, whether they're from the petition group or from our group, we all want better. We all want things to be better. And that's ultimately how we're trying, you know, we're just trying to bring to light the stuff that we're aware of and we want, we want better. And we don't think it's fair what happened. We think that some of the women from our board should have been able to carry on because they have a lot of experience and knowledge and connections and to just totally disregard them, get rid of them, and then bring in people who have no experience and have to build from scratch is absolutely awful. At this point in time, we're a year out from world championships and we had coach, like um, Kathy said, we had top-notch division one coaches who were invested in building our program and we lost them after this dissolve like after being dissolved so our whole plan for this year went out the window our tryout process the tournaments we are supposed to be in and we I mean for me I feel robbed I robbed as a player because we are going to miss out on all those opportunities now um, that we need it our program need it our women need it and so, yeah, we're just going to continue to fight and bring, that's why we want to bring awareness to a lot of these issues. Once again, Kathy Smith, who was the executive director for the Haudenosaunee National Women's Lacrosse Team. I'd just like to make one comment before we, we leave. Um, I just want to say that my stand, I guess, on it has always been from day one that we're Haudenosaunee, uh, traveling on Haudenosaunee passports, you know, going to world competition, represent our, representing ourselves as a sovereign nation, that it only follows that we are there as Haudenosaunee, which means that we are there with our own name, you know, incorporating our own ways into everything we do, living by our values and um, teachings. And so most of what we've been talking about tonight, um, to me, we're, we're so far from that as it is right now. And I'm just, my hope is that moving forward that we can, that this issue that's been brought out into the light by the players, that it can lead to change to the point at least that we're able to go and be who we are. Um, and be, be authentic, Haudenosaunee 
women and men representing our people in the best way possible. Yeah. I want to thank Katie, Aaron, and Kathy for joining me on this episode and for being a part of an organization that so proudly and respectfully represented all Haudenosaunee people. Thank you for checking out the show. As always, if you like what you hear, you can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Let's Talk Native. You can follow the show on Twitter at Let's Talk Native. You can also follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk Native TV. You can also join our Facebook group page. I am John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.